Yeah, I'm human AF today. <laughs> that means that's fuck. Oh, right. Right. That's what the kids say. And look at that. We're live on Facebook with that. Caracon Carne is in quarantine. Quarantine Con Carne. This is so serious. I had to have the logo changed. If you look at Caracon Carne on the website or any of the socials, you'll notice that Caracon Carne is now wearing a protective mask, as all podcasts should during the era of COVID-19. Caracon Carne is sponsored by C&H Financial Services. At some point, we're all going to emerge from our cocoons, chrysalis-like, and we're going to be ready to take on the world again. If you are a small business owner, you will want CNH Financial Services at your side. Keep this website handy, freeprocessingnow.com, so that when you spring back into action, you don't have to worry about fees on credit or debit cards. That's CNH Financial Services. Me, I'm James Van Ossel. I'm in my home. I'm sheltering here. I'm safe at home, and I feel even safer because today I'm joined by Mike, the Director of Education, and Joel, the Director of Public Policy of Hope for the Day. Hi, guys. Hey, what's up? And I should say, as we're doing this, we are also live on Facebook. If you are watching on Facebook Live and have questions or comments as we go, please feel free to chime in. That's the whole reason we're doing this. So three weeks ago, I had Mike on the show. It was three weeks to the day. And we talked about mental health in the time of COVID-19. And I guess I should take one step back. Real quick, explain what Hope for the Day is. Um, well, Hope for the Day, we are a nonprofit mission, and we are empowering the conversation on proactive suicide prevention and mental health education. The whole goal is to meet people where they are at, not where we expect them to be, and give them approachable and conversational language to normalize the conversation in their sphere of influence, whatever that may be. So three weeks ago may have been, may as well have been like six years ago. It seems like forever ago when we first talked about this. This was, at, Mike, when you and I talked, people were just starting to wrap their heads around staying at home for a little bit, work from home, stay in place. But people were still going out there, moving around. Life still seemed kind of normal, although threatening and scary. Things are so different now. Obviously, things are so different. What have you seen and experienced at the organization from people? What, what are you feeling? Are you feeling, is there a greater volume of people reaching out to Hope for the Day? I would say that there's a great number of people hitting us up about uh, tips and tricks, and we've responded in kind by quickly changing all the stuff that we were planning to do in the community, um, business as usual, and bring it to digital communities. And uh, so we've been engaging a lot of people on Instagram live platforms for both Hope for the Day and Sip of Hope Coffee Bar, uh, since that's been closed with the shelter-in-place order. Um, and also, we've been doing a good amount of digital education. Um, our workshop called Things We Don't Say is one hour, and it's being offered every Tuesday and every Saturday. Um, on Tuesdays, it's 11 a.m., Saturdays, 2.30 p.m., and just gives people an opportunity to connect and synthesize that community, that belonging um, that many of us really need to combat those feelings of isolation um, as, as we get into... Well, this is my fourth week of uh, isolation, personally. I've been in self-quarantine since the 12th of March. So, I, I do want to thank Ken, Molly Jean, Mike, Amy, another Mike, Aaron, Rick, Jacob, Tom, and Stephanie for joining us today. Thank you for watching on Facebook Live. If you have comments or questions, throw them our way. The CDC talked about stress factors, things that come up 
during an infectious disease outbreak, things like fear and worry about your own health and the health of your loved ones, changes in sleep or eating patterns, difficulty sleeping or concentrating, worsening of chronic health problems, worsening of mental health problems, uh, health conditions, uh, increased use of alcohol, tobacco, or other drugs. One thing it doesn't mention is something that I find to be a pervasive concern right now is fear and worry about economic health, personal economic health. Yeah. Everybody's How, livelihood. Are there real, not real simple, are there things we can do, like simple lifestyle adjustments we can make at home to make this more manageable or make it seem less insurmountable? I think, uh, personally, I, I think uh, Joel will have some, some to add to this as well, but um, I think personally for me, it's been making a very conscious effort to uh, support one of my friend's businesses that I know is struggling during these times, this economic downturn uh, in the service industry, and just making sure that, hey, I'm feeling like treating myself for dinner. It'll help me with my emotional health because I'm feeling like if that's me grabbing a little bit of normalcy from whatever previous life um, we've all like kind of been grieving, right? Um, that helps me. It helps my friends' business, and uh, in in the process, I'll like take a take a photo, post it on social media, and remind people, hey, support your friends' businesses. Um, I think that that's a small lifestyle adjustment everybody can do as far as uh, supporting a, a Chicago and all of the amazing restaurants and talented people from the culinary and hospitality world that are being impacted. Um, there's all sorts of artists streaming, local artists that are really uh, hurting because they don't have their gigs that they rely on for their paying their bills. So those virtual tip jars, even if it's just a couple bucks, uh, a thousand people uh, showing a little kindness um, through that medium can mean a great deal to a human being and their livelihood, um, especially if they got a family and stuff like that. Um, but it's I, I think we're at a point where We've gone beyond just the service industry. We're, I think we're at that next wave of yeah. businesses hitting furloughs, layoffs. We're, we're about to see a, another tsunami of joblessness yeah. coming our way. And Joel, did, did you want to add yeah. to the, yeah, the fact? In. I mean, I'm in a little bit different of a situation, you know, wife, three kids. Uh, my wife is not working from home. Um, pay cut was pretty... Uh, pretty severe. Uh, but my family business since, you know, I, I got out of college has been, we run a family compounding pharmacy in the suburbs. So I've been going to work, but I've also been surrounding myself with three kids who haven't left the house since uh, March 14th. Right. Um, and the fact that I leave the house uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, I stay home on days like today, uh, which is why I'm rocking the Dago. But um, looking good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be as comp as possible. It was nice today, and then it got really, really creepy. So it's cold again. Um, I should uh -huh. be. Um, but the one thing that I, I will speak to is that you know it's probably more of my wife's doing than mine is just trying to act like there is something to wake up for. Um, and as bleak as that sounds, it's showering. Uh, we do these basement workouts uh, with this lady on the internet, Sydney Cummings, and we just do like a half hour, forty five minute workout in the morning. Um, still showering every day, um, like but hitting certain times. Oh it doesn't matter that it's 11 o'clock on a Tuesday and it feels like a Friday because you haven't done anything. It's, it's hitting those points, shower, breakfast, lunch, dinner, um, and trying to act as if, and that's something that for me, uh, being that I work in what's considered an essential business, um, my business has been, you know, ripped to, to sure. shred because people will, will forego their own health, uh, their own specific health needs to eat, which I, I would expect. 
So what I'm attempting to do through my going to work four days a week, five days a week virtually, um, is just act like um, we've been through this before. And it, it, as much as that's you know complete BS because nobody's ever experienced any of this stuff, um, it is somewhat refreshing to realize that those people who were poo-pooing the idea of talking about mental health before all this started, um, and the idea of, oh, you're not traumatized, you just got to get over it. Um, everybody is going through something right now, which doesn't mean that it's a, it's a blessing, but it also means that we've kind of leveled the playing field in, in, in a weird manner of sorts. And that when I'm at the pharmacy, like a lady came in, I want to say last Thursday, and she was dressed to the nines, as my dad likes to say. I mean, she had on earrings, her nails were done. You could tell that she dressed up. I'm like, whoa, where are you going? She's like, I came to the pharmacy to pick up my prescription. And you could tell that she just wanted to talk to somebody. And Grant, you know, I'm 10 feet away from yeah. her. But sometimes I like to think that, yeah, sure, we're a pharmacy and we're, and we're you know, providing medications that in, in, you know, improve people's lives and their health. But for that one woman, that was the first thing she had done in three weeks was just to come see me and spend, she already prepaid. I mean, she, like, we're not touching cash. We're like, we're, it was all things that have changed. Yeah. And it, it's, it's interesting too, because I work with my family. So my sister's a couple of years older, but my parents are in their seventies and to see them slowly grasp the fact that they, there are preconceived notions about how strange and powerful and unknown this virus is. Um, it's kind of interesting because the whole idea of old dog, new tricks is not lost upon me. They are just as shocked with this and they can't offer any advice. So we've kind of leveled the playing field, but I think by acting as if a little bit, you know, within reason, giving yourself enough grace to emote and be frustrated, but also the idea that nobody has any idea what the hell's going on. There is some semblance of comfort in the fact that nobody can tell you how you're supposed to feel because nobody has any idea. I think one of the hardest things for me and maybe other people to come to terms with is the fact that this is indefinite. There, we don't know how this story ends. And that can that can feel debilitating. Like, okay, this sucks. The the financial situation, the everything else, the, the scariness, that's all terrible. But oh my God, what if this goes on three months, six months, nine months? That's the hardest part. And I, I found myself falling in that trap. I, I had a night off a couple nights ago, and I started going down the road. I'm like, I can't do that. I, I that's that's not yeah, helpful. Right? You almost need to to chunk up the way you get through your days, or I do, uh, chunk things up, like have goalposts along the way, which speaks to routine. Like, well, I know at this time I'm going to do this. Maybe it's, you know, working out in the basement or this is my time to shower. I think that's the only way to do it is just look more short-term to manage things as opposed to long, long-term whenever this ends. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Chunking it. Chunking that up. Chunking up. Chunking's a good way to put it too, because we're like, all chunking it up in the, in the pandemic. You're kind of throwing your weight around. I mean, like half of the reason why I'm frustrated right now, and I'm not saying that I have a very, very long fuse when we're not in the pandemic, but half of the reason why I'm frustrated right now is that when people look at me and are either shocked at my reaction or my complacency, whatever it might be, depending on the time of day and the actual day, it's, uh, it's, did you have an expectation about how I was supposed to respond to a global pandemic that I've never experienced? Because I sure as hell didn't. So it's, it's, it's cool because you, you don't know, you don't know how you're supposed to react either. So what's cool about all of this, again, with the idea that people are now recognizing that everyone's kind of going through some shit, depending on whereabouts they are in life, everybody is feeling it. And because of the fact that everyone's feeling it, like I'm apologizing more and I'm also 
saying this is why I'm angry or this is why I'm frustrated. And it's actually like I've had a couple of really good conversations with friends of mine. I'm going, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to yell at you, but, and they're like, no, I get it. I feel the same way. And then they share what they blew up about. It's like, maybe this is how we figure out how to not put people in these columns and these categories and assume that that's where they're supposed to be. Like Mike said, you meet them where they are. And right now, nobody knows where they are, which is in a strange, strange, super shitty way, kind of fortunate and comfortable because now we all know that the, the playing field has somewhat been leveled in a weird way. I kind of joked about we're all chunking up, we're all putting on the the quarantine 15 while we're sheltering at home. And I realize you're not medical professionals, but how important for mental health is diet, like a a responsible diet, eliminating sugar, stuff like that? Is that? Um, I'd like to. uh, (laughs) I'd like to talk. I I retract the question. Forget it. (laughs) Well, as a guy who not only has been working in a pharmacy basically his entire life and someone who has had the ups and downs of, you know, food and alcohol and, and, and laziness, whatever. Um, I will tell you that my biggest, and this is just me personally, my biggest, you know, like the whole idea of hangry, um, my biggest problem throughout this entire thing is that I just don't eat. Like I've lost my, I'm not hungry unless I'm voraciously hungry. Like I, I'll, I'll go like today, I didn't eat till two o'clock. I'm like, what is my problem? Like I, I'm, a, I'm a fifth meal kind of guy. Like I'm gonna start texting you, mister. Yeah, well, it's, it's like I said, like, eat an apple, bro. Eat, eat. Well, and that's the thing, too, is that if I eat just an apple, I get a stomachache because it's just fructose in my stomach. Okay, if well, I, that was, a, that was like a bad that. example. Thanks. So, but it's, it's, it's weird because my normal routine of wake up, make my wife breakfast, go to pack my lunch, go to work, eat around 1230, 1245, have a snack around 3 o'clock, drive home, either get the kids and go make dinner or just make dinner because my wife got the kids and then we eat by 6, like, those days are gone. Like, and like, yeah. what's weird about all of that is that for me, it isn't the overabundance of food. I mean, Sundays have been a little snacky, but it's not the overabundance of food. It's the, the fact that I just, I forget about it because it doesn't seem important because worry is a lot more filling than, <laughs> than a healthy breakfast. And, and, and that's, that's my biggest concern because I realize that I am a complete jerk when I get about three cups of coffee and with no food. And it's bad for my whole day. I can't wait to hug you, bro. For real, to give you a big ass hug. Anything. Well, Joel, you mentioned you have kids. I have kids too. Dealing as both of you do with mental health, suicide ideation, and thoughts. Are there warning signs we should look for, like for people watching or listening to the podcast right now who have kids who are stuck at home in this really fucked up, weird situation that they've never experienced that there's no precedent for? Are there things that parents should be paying attention to during this time? Well, I- I, would, I know that there's there's not much that's like oh we'll look for you know changes in, in behavior no I mean like the, like the behavior is going to be changed um, I, I think the one thing that we've kind of mandated in the house is that the doors are open um, with the exception of mine because I do like to take a rather long bathroom break in the morning um, but that's just because that's my routine that's part of my normalcy but we don't like the doors are open um, we are a little bit more lenient with uh, like the outbursts because. I get it. You haven't left the house since the 14th. I don't even know how that feels. Um, but it's, it's, this is kind of the opportunity where I have to go, Hey man, I'm sorry that I yelled. Um, but I'm worried about this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And then once in a while, casually they'll express their own frustration or worry. So 
I don't know as far as warning signs because this is completely new to me, but like the idea is that, you know, the doors should stay open and we should be like, we've had meals every night. So I, I, we're all in front of each other Yeah, and it's, it's keeping the FaceTime because yeah, it's, it's forced now, but the forced FaceTime has actually kind of changed the way that I interact with them because I know that I can't get out of it. Um, And, but then when I express to them, Hey, this is what you're doing and it's frustrating me. I'm actually now getting a, sorry, I didn't realize. I mean, that doesn't mean they don't do it 20 minutes later, but like we're actually having it where I'm communicating to them, what yeah. you are doing is bothering me. Like, you know, my wife's trying to work all day. Today, that didn't happen with the internet being chopped off by the uh, landscaper. But, you know, that's the other thing too, is that do you cancel the guy that you had planned to come deliver mulch four months ago, four weeks ago, three months ago, however the long, you know, February was ago? Like, do you cancel that just because you're not supposed to, you know, go talk to him or hug him? Like, I really wanted to go out and hug my landscaper because I love the guy. Yeah. But instead, he just chopped off my internet. But it's, it's understanding that I, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to react. But knowing that when I go over a certain, you know, when I, when I get out of the green into the red, I have to know that and I have to make amends. But also not having the door shut is a good way to know kind of I'm keeping my finger on the pulse by just keeping the freaking door open. That makes sense. Mike, do you have anything to add to that? You know, kids. I'm not a parent. Like Joel is is the the man that's perfectly uh, equipped to answer that question, because typically I would say, you know, you gotta be checking in with your people, and when you notice that they're acting out of character, check in with them and let them know that you've noticed it and that it's okay for them to be feeling things. Like my my go to always is, hey, I noticed you're not yourself. You okay? It's okay not to be okay. Because right in that short amount of words, I've like laid out that, hey, I've noticed something that's different about you. I'm concerned about you. I love you. And I'm not going to give you any shit about what you might be experiencing or feeling right now. I'm not going to try and put any of my stuff on that. I'm just going to try and listen and be there for you and see you and hear you and validate those feelings you're experiencing. Um, Because I think that's the most important part right now as parents, as spouses and partners, as friends, as roommates, wherever you find yourself in this. And um, if you end up in the situation that you're kind of isolated because you don't have roommates or a spouse or something like that, make sure you're staying connected to people so that uh, people know, can, can check in with you, you know, for no other reason that it might make their day. And in the course, also reciprocally make your day. So, you know what I mean? Five minutes is all you really need. That's a great answer. Uh, someone, Ryan, on the Facebook live chat said, you can't talk about it. I think by it, he means mental health. He says the stigma is too deep. That's the problem, isn't it? Uh, that, that's the yeah. problem that I'm sure you're up against every day at Hope for the Day. Yeah, you, you, have, you have some situations where someone has a, um, like, like an ongoing issue, but what they'll do on the way to potentially having a, like, a, like an open-hearted conversation is that they'll kind of cut themselves off at the, at the knees and make their problems not as big of a deal as, some, as somebody else's problems, which is like, so I, I've had this conversation with a number of people because I, like, I, I live in Yorkville, Illinois, which is like 40 miles um, west, southwest of Chicago, which is either 45 minutes away or four hours away, depending on what time you go. But right now it's like an hour because of, there's no traffic. Um, but because of the fact that I live out here, there's this full on dedication to the police can do no wrong. And I was the head of public safety. Um, I'm an alderman in Yorkville too. I was the head of public safety for a while. And in the committee, I routinely made the comment that I can have in my heart the ability to both hold horrible cops accountable 
and celebrate the ones that are doing the right thing. And even though that is a far, far, you know, different topic from the idea of mental health, you can have a shitty day and somebody else could be having a harder day financially or mentally, whatever. It doesn't mean that the two both can't exist simultaneously. So it, it's the idea that what we do is we stigmatize ourselves from being able to express the things that piss us off because we feel that it's either not important or you don't want to burden someone. Well, the idea of the conversation about mental health doesn't have to be public. So, I mean, if I went on, on the internet and I was tempted today, if I went on the internet and, you know, shared my frustration with not having the internet just because my kids are up my butt right now, does that mean that I am poo-pooing someone who's literally having a depressive episode because they've been isolated for 21 days? No, not at all. I'm just getting something off of my chest. It doesn't take away from one conversation the fact that I'm having another, which seeming, you know, white people problems, first world problems, whatever you want to say, it doesn't exclude it from being something that is having an impact on someone. So that's something that I'm learning myself as you know, I'm a 40 year old, is how do I just vent the things that are bothering me so that they don't continue to eat at me while also allowing other larger issues to also exist. And, and I think the conversation about mental health, it all boils down to your audience. You don't have to tell the entire world that you feel X about Y and Z. What you can do is I can call that dude Mike down there with the freaking piece of wood in his mouth and go, dude, I am pissed. My internet went out. And he goes, that sucks. It's off my chest and it's over and done with. And I can keep complaining about it, but now it's done. Yeah. But if I also go to Mike and say, dude, I'm really freaking pissed off about this, that, and the other thing, I know that Mike will listen to me. And if it's something that I need problem with or need help with, he'll go, well, do you need me to help with that? Yes. It, it's the ability to kind of do that. And when we don't have those, those abilities to communicate with people and those opportunities to communicate with people, we also have to realize that just because you don't have someone to communicate with doesn't mean there aren't people out there that they are the, um, they're the guy on the bench. And if you haven't texted 741, 741, when you're about to fucking scream, I highly encourage it because even if you're not like fully in a mental health crisis, telling someone why you're pissed off literally lowers the temperature on the inside. Wait, of your 741, system. 741. I, I don't know what that is. It, it's, it's a helpline. And uh, about seven or eight weeks ago, I was at a freaking breaking point, just pissed off. And I didn't want to burden anyone with my bullshit. Just text the number because if they can, and they will respond within two or three minutes. It, it's an automated national uh, text line. Yeah, that's great. All right, so as far as resources go, as far as hope for the day goes, someone's someone's having a rough go of things. Someone just wants someone to talk to. What 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 do they do? Well, I uh, I actually kind of have some some of the resource cards at the ready too. Uh, Good. I don't know if you want me to send those to you, or I could even screen share them. But uh, essentially, there are a whole plethora of hotlines that are available twenty four seven nationwide in America that we're real fortunate for. Some of them are specialized. Uh, there's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline and the Crisis Text Line that Joel just alluded to. Um, but there's also specialized ones like the Veterans Crisis Line as well as the Trans Lifeline, et cetera. Um, what makes it nice and easy is if you just go to the Hope for the Day website, hftd.org. Um, there is also a great tool called the Hope for the Day Resource Compass um, we've accessed the social care network of Aunt Bertha in a partnership uh, to create this Hope for the Day resource compass where there's a search tool you can put your zip code in to find out uh, some free and reduced and sliding scale uh, opportunities for all sorts of social services, not just mental health. Um, so that's a really cool tool I'd like everybody to check out. 
um, hftd.org should get you there. And if you wanted to go directly to the find help page, it's just hftd.org slash find dash help. But I would also uh, highly encourage if you feel like you would like to talk to somebody to a professional level of care, um, even if you don't have a diagnosis, even if you don't feel like you're in a crisis, just because you want to stay well, just like we go to the dentist to keep our teeth looking good and we go to the doctor to make sure our blood pressure is in check. If you want to talk to a mental health professional of a professional de degree uh, to that professional level of care, just to stay well, um, I encourage people to check out different telehealth options um, so that you can try therapy and try meeting with uh, a couple different therapists if that's what it takes to find somebody that you click with. Because um, just like any service or relationship, it's got to be, it's got to feel right to you. And you might not get hooked up with somebody uh, right away that uh, you like. So, um, but there are things like Talkspace, uh, as well as a trove of other things. If you have insurance, good for you. Check out what options you have for telehealth. If you do not, um, look into some of this app-based technology that can give you that same type of support. And above all else, there's free stuff out there. Uh, organizations like NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, have peer counselors. You can apply to be uh, linked with a peer counselor where they're not to the level of like a credentialed therapist, but there's somebody that has a pretty significant amount of extra training uh, to support you and also some lived experience to draw on uh, in being supportive, along with uh, a treasure trove of online support groups too, if uh, that's your bag and you want to experience some connection that way. Um, but I'll, I'll be happy to send along a bunch of different tools. Send along a bunch of those tools, and I'll include them on the uh, the podcast post. Guys, I, Mike and Joel, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I'll probably check back in in three more weeks if that's okay. Cool. Hey, we're not going let's, let's, uh, let's keep riding this train and uh, send, sending out that light to the people because uh, we need to. It's important right now. I, I do want to make a quick thank you to people who joined the podcast recently on Facebook Live. Uh, Denise, Chef Ben Randall, Nick Wright, Brian, Jocelyn, Rob, thank you all for joining. Mike and Anthony, I don't know if I got them. Phil, Matt, Jennifer, Mark, Planker, uh, Jessica, a lot of people. Uh, Natalie, Kelly, Dave, Ken, a lot of people. So thank you all for watching and, and listening to what, what's being said here. This is great stuff. Bye, local. Old Irving. Well, yeah, Cheers to y'all. Oh, look at that. Uh, and one thing I learned from this whole experience, moving forward while I'm doing quarantine con carne until con carne comes back, all future guests must be in a tank top uh, because Joel has yeah so beautifully. I think I, I have Chem Lab on the show tomorrow, so I think Jared from Chem Lab should be wearing a tank top. From when, Oh, there we go. Roll them up. Guns out. Guns out. That's right. <laughs> As I as I housed a whole pretty cool ice cream bar, <laughs> I double fisted for the perfect timing, didn't I? Yeah. Perfect timing. All right, thank you for watching on Facebook Live.